0: It used to be a landfill. Poco yeah. used to be a landfill, right? Okay. Um, yeah, and so- Poco
1: used to be agriculture. Yeah, and crime. <laughs> and crime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is Van Collar. We're at the
0: West Coast. <laughs>
1: My name is Mo Amir and today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by an award-winning comic who moved to Vancouver thinking he was on vacation at his father's discretion. He was voted Best Vancouver Comedian by both the West Ender Magazine and the Georgia Strait. You've heard him on XM Radio, you've seen him on TED Talks, and maybe you've partied with him at one of the many comedy festivals around the world where he has performed including the Just for Laughs Northwest Comedy Festival. He has indeed performed all over the globe, recording three different comedy albums in three different countries, and his Twitter game has been recognized on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, BuzzFeed, The Huffington Post, and a slew of other outlets. His third comedy album, Son of Smiley, was released earlier this summer. You can also listen to his podcast, also called son of smiley on wherever you get your podcasts but only after you listen to this one he is ed hill ed how are you hello thanks for having me my pleasure as one person of color to another person of color i have to get this off my chest you don't look like an ed hill i do not
0: (laughs) definitely not. There's a lot. Of, there's a country singer named Ed Hill, and I get tagged a lot in a lot of white people's birthday parties. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: is that like half your Twitter base? They actually they accidentally you're <laughs> following the there's, wrong. Ed there's hill. more Facebook. I don't think all people know how to use
0: Twitter. To
1: be honest, it is not my real last name. Oh, it's not. Yeah. Okay, I thought maybe there was like some weird Taiwanese connection. No, where there was a hill. I, uh,
0: I lived on a hill, and I just picked that as my stage name. I have a very common last name. Very common. Is it Lee? Chen. Oh, Chen. Yeah. So it's a very common last name for Asians, right? Yeah. Especially if you're from, you know, East Asia. Um, So if you Google Ed Chen, you're never going to find me. So it was a business decision. And the other. thing was, um, there's also very famous Ed Chen from Vancouver. His name's Edison Chen. He was oh, Ed Chen, and okay. he's a um, pop star in Hong Kong. <laughs> he is known for one thing. Okay. Not his music, not his performance. It is his sex tapes. Oh! Yeah, he had all these sex tapes with these famous models, and they leaked. Yeah. So his junk is all over the internet. So if you type in, like, Ed Chen, <laughs> that's that's why you see. And uh, On top of all the professors and accountants, right, and all the doctors. Yeah. So I'm like, this is not... I'm not gonna...
1: I'm not gonna win this game. <laughs> Good for you for giving thought to that, though. Yeah, like, I what people would Google. I, didn't find I do not put a thought
0: into what
1: name was pick. I just, <laughs> I didn't know. I don't want to do that name. And to be clear, I thought Lee was like a specifically a Taiwanese name. Like I thought that's like the common um, Taiwanese last name. Maybe Taiwan. I'm wrong. Chen is the most second most common. Okay. in Taiwan. Okay,
0: second um, most. Second most. You don't know what the first is. Wong. Oh, still okay. Yeah, oh. I think
1: Lee is. Three uh, third, yeah. Okay. There yeah. you go. I learned something new every day. <laughs> yeah. You actually strike me more as an Angela.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a true story. It happened to me at uh at Brentwood Mall. Yeah. In Burnaby. <laughs> it was just the weirdest moment. And I I didn't even know what was going on at the time until like, you know, a day later I was like he genuinely thought I was a person named Angela.
1: Yeah. And for people that don't know what we're talking about, this is a story that you tell in your TED Talk. Yeah, which Somewhat I got in
0: trouble. I, I for did, that story? Uh, for that, yeah, for that bit. So, I mean, it's a true story, so I'm not editing anything out. Mm-hmm. And then the, the whole premise of the joke is really about how I got mistaken for a person named Angela, and I I went in war. like, why would anybody want to look like me named Angela? I mean, that's just not good for Angela. Sure. Right? And I did that joke at the the... the Seattle International Comedy Competition, and it was, I think it was night two of the first round. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a decent sized theater, and I came in second that night. Um, Congratulations. So, yeah, so everybody loved it, and judges were great, yeah. and I was like, okay, cool. And the next morning I wake up, it's was just like nonstop tweets on my account from this person. So, what was the criticism? Is that I was transphobic. Oh, okay. That I gotcha. was homophobic, transphobic, and then there were some quotes from my joke which I didn't even say. Right. So they took whatever I said and just phrased into their own uh, thing. I okay, yeah. And then so immediately I was like, "Well, I don't want to I don't want to promote hate I want to, you sure, know, yeah, yeah. hurt anybody." So I, I you know, messaged the director of the festival say, "Hey, is, it, is did I do something that should not be done?" Yeah. I mean, I I've been doing this joke for a while. Um I mean, was there anything that happening on the show that did you notice? They're like, no, everybody was great. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there were some LGBTQ people in the judges, and they loved the joke.
1: Yeah. So I just I don't know. I don't know what happened. Well, that joke, affect You're making fun of yourself for being ugly is right. Sort of the that's, idea. that's what the premise right. is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's weird that people would see it that way, and it certainly doesn't strike me as anything to do with trans people but I I don't know I mean sometimes people just have to pick better battles and there's so many I know. bigger and better battles than you being called Angela
0: and the the other thing was I was talking to a friend about it um, and she was like well they're making the assumption that you're a man because you never identify your gender <laughs> that
1: premise right <laughs> so you flip the script on them yeah so I'm like well that's a good
0: <laughs> good point yeah. I mean if you because if you want to do that the assumption based type yeah. of um you know, judgment. Then I'd never specify what I identified as. Right? Mm-hmm. What's my pronoun? True. So she's like, "Well, then you can you can flip it. Like, yeah. maybe you identify as they. So what? Maybe the hatred is the other way around. Is that what you did? No. <laughs> yeah. Smart.
1: <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you get into some convoluted logic. I when didn't you get go it. I didn't too get far it, into it. Twitter sure. battle.
0: I just kind of let it go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so worth it. It, Does the joke still exist? Is that still in your repertoire?
0: Um, that's for my second album, so I I don't do the material for my second album as, um, I I rarely do it anymore. Yeah. Um, mainly because, not because the sensitivity of the current climate, it's more, that's just not who I am as a person. Sure. Like every album kind of captures who I am in that time as a person. So second album is called Weirdo Whisper, Mm -hmm. which is whole idea that, you know, I am a young adult in North America who came from a different family, and I feel like a weirdo. But for some reason, my attempts to fit in attracts other weirdos <laughs> to speak to me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And that, that was the whole
1: premise of the- And you don't feel that way anymore.
0: No. I, you know Now, the, the th- third album, like you said, Son of Smiley, is I'm starting to realize that um, what I'm becoming is who I, my father is. Sure. Like, I tried my whole life not to be him. Yeah. And then it went full circle. It's like I'm programmed,
1: <laughs> yeah, to become, which is a very common story. I feel like,
0: yeah, yeah. And it's it's an interesting and it's it's a painful story um, for the individual because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of self reflection and self exploration. Yeah, right. Because the whole idea of trying to move away from my father is because I don't, I it's, there's a lot of self hatred, right? I don't want to be bad sure. Man. I want I want to be I want to be who I see in TV. Mm-hmm. I want to be the norm. And when a fact that you're never going to be the norm and you got to accept that as it is and you got to live who you are, you know, yeah. in the context you're in.
1: Well, I think it's particularly more pronounced in the immigrant experience because you're, and I've been through this myself, Yeah, because you are straddling two worlds, right? Even if your parents immigrate here with full intention to become Canadian, they're still en- enmeshed in... The previous culture that they're bringing in, right. and you're going to school here, and I'm going to school here, and we are sort of balancing these two different dynamics, and yeah. we are learning about cultural differences in a very hands-on experiential way that kids who are not immigrants don't, don't learn about yeah. culture differences that way and i can certainly understand that idea of i mean I, I don't know if i would personally go for myself just speaking about my experience in, in terms of self-hatred but yeah certainly embarrassment mm-hmm. sometimes about your your ancestry or yeah. and it's almost worse when perhaps we were growing up and the media was very white yeah. And everything you were seeing in the media was very white. And was, I mean, we're certainly pointing in the right direction. We're doing a lot better that way. But your idea of what a politician looks like, what a doctor yeah. looks like, what a family looks like ends up becoming very whitewashed. And right? it's
0: it's not a purposeful self-hatred. Yeah, it's, it's more a product of, you know, the interaction with the environment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I noticed. Um, and so when, you know, like, I, I've gone on shows before, like radio shows, and I, I talk about, you know, white, in quotation, white privilege. Yeah. right. And then some hosts who are, who are Caucasian, they get a little offended. They're like, what do you mean? Do you think I'm better than you? It's like, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, and then there was some shows that I couldn't articulate at that point. I mean, I was I was younger. And, you know, and I, I came to understand now is the privilege really is what is a sense of normality, mm-hmm. right? Because the idea of normality is then frees you from any type of um, attention that yeah. you may not want, right? And I experienced this, you know, firsthand when I took my wife to Taiwan for the first time. Mm-hmm. My wife is white. Okay. So we went there and we're on the SkyTrain, you know, on the SkyTrain in public transit, right? And, and she kind of t- said, you know, I, I feel like everybody's looking at me all the time. I just feel like people are, like, they're not staring, but I know they're looking. Yeah. And I know, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, pay attention to me in the way that, because I'm different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's wh- what I live with every day, yeah. right? Because over there, I'm the norm. Yeah. So I fade into the background. Mm-hmm. I nothing I do is going to be a representation of who I am, Yeah. right? Like over here, if I decide to, you know, eat, you know, whatever, anchovies- out of a paper cup in the airport. Now people are like, well, that's what Asians do. Eat right. Anchovies <laughs> out a paper yeah, they cup, extrapolate right? they like, for the entire And they're like, you culture. represent the whole community. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's the power. I think that's the privilege is when you're the norm, you can diffuse your personal responsibility
1: to the group. Yeah, right? that's very well said. I mean, I don't want to talk about politics too much, but certainly when it comes to Jagmeet Singh, you know, being the first person of color to lead a national party... I feel bad for him because the weight of all people of color kind of rides on his shoulders now, yeah. and he is not being great, and it's almost a letdown on that level, but it's a certain pressure that no one else, even even I would say Elizabeth May, who is a woman, fair enough, but they don't have to deal with that type of pressure.
0: Yeah. Right? It's interesting because the I, the ability to not... Stand out gives the ability to be an individual. Mm-hmm. It's like that weird, um, that weird dialectic, right? Yeah, that the two opposites existing at the same time. For example, Justin Trudeau, he is breaking the law, mm-hmm. right? But he doesn't represent white people. He represents yeah. Justin Trudeau. Yeah, like that diffusion. of responsibility allows him to be individual. Yeah. And when we don't have the diffusion. Type of fusion and responsibility, then we actually represent the whole community. Like if Jack Mee Singh broke the law, they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, you know. All Sikh politicians yeah. <laughs> are,
1: all brown politicians yeah. are terrible. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's funny. And it's interesting when I have friends or people that I talk to that get really defensive about this idea of white privilege. And I go, you will have white privilege because you don't freak out when you cross the border like I do. Yeah. Because <laughs> my name's Muhammad. And even though I have Nexus, they still pull me into the exactly. little room. If I'm at the airport, they'll still pull me into – I have Nexus. Yeah, I have it's everything's random, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. always get
0: randomly selected. Or they say, well,
1: you know, your name popped up and it's probably the name of someone else, but we still have to give it the old look-see. And right. it makes me nervous. And people don't understand why I get nervous at the border. And I'm usually a pretty cool customer, but, you know, people don't get – people don't understand why I would get nervous going through a border or through airport security. And I'm like, because I know that I'm going to be pulled into this room and asked dumb questions for 15 minutes and I don't like it. So that is always my go-to in terms of like, Oh, there's your privilege where you don't have to worry. I think it's just,
0: you know, the, the con, the term white privilege, I think Mm -hmm. it evokes people feel like, Oh, then you say I'm racist. Yeah, right? that's
1: that's that's not. And there's different types of privilege yeah. too. There's also male privilege. Exactly. There's also being rich and and being born yeah, into a rich class family. Privilege, right? yeah. yeah. There's um, you know, able body privilege. Hundred yeah. percent able body. Yeah, that's another big one that kind of goes hidden because we don't even like as an able body person, we don't think about curbs exactly. on the street. But if you're in a wheelchair. That's all you're thinking about. Yeah, when you're moving in to the self is, yeah. is a thing you got to worry about. 100%. Aliens, right? Yeah. And it just becomes that idea of being aware of certain privileges that you have. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person or it doesn't mean you've had it easy in life. It just means recognizing yeah. that.
0: But people get real defensive, I man. Know. <laughs> so that's why the material I'm doing now, like I want to poke at these subject matters, but you you can't do it head on, right? Cuz you are going to get divisive. Sure. Well, the audience going divis- to become divisive for you, even if you don't want to. So like I, there's a bit I do right now like I said, you know, I say like my wife is white because mm-hmm. I'm trying to give my kids a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see the just crowd the crowd laugh. Yeah. And then some people will just be like they don't laugh, and they're not angry. And I'll point hmm. out, like, you know, some of the white people were not laughing here because they're like, it makes sense. Why is this funny, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's how I get by. So, and that's yeah. that's a total. Because you're like, if you think about it, like, yeah, that's that makes your kids probably
1: have a better time than you <laughs> you're having. Sure. Yeah. But you know, there's also like half her baby privilege. Yeah. Because half her babies, they're just more beautiful,
0: and also, and they can they can fluid, right? And he's like, I'm actually white. Or, no, I'm actually Asian.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And they also have apparently greater resistance to diseases, I believe. Yeah, isn't there a study done where with genetics, if you're further apart? Yeah. Um, the more stronger you are, I think, your genetic... Bro, you're of, better. Yeah, yeah. You're better than everyone because, else. Because then you get rid of all the weird <laughs> recessive... Disorder that usually comes up when you too close together. So you're actually getting scientific with it. I'm just getting My dad told me this weird <laughs> stuff. My dad reads all this weird and tells me about. It. I'm like, I don't want to know. So you're doing the world a service, really? He's hanging up. Okay, this is my dad recently, and I I think it's not. There's no way this is happening. He's hanging up CDs outside. He's hanging up CDs. Yes, CD wrong, by a, str- by by a st- string. <laughs> Why? Like, and it's like spitting in the wind, right? So just
1: as, as aesthetic.
0: So he said. I'm like, what the hell is this? He's yeah. like, and it's all over the house. It's not like just one. It's like, <laughs> like five or six of them in a row yeah. in like the patio downstairs and stuff like that. And I was like, what is this? He's like, well, it, it confuses the flies. The flies is like, <laughs> like a multi-angle eyes, right? Because like, they see the reflection. They don't want to come. Interesting. I'm like, then what if it's nighttime? And my dad's like, then the flies are sleeping. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs>
1: like... <laughs> How high was your dad when he was doing so this? So we
0: Googled it. My brother and I Googled it. And there's, I mean, there's some scientific proof that it gets rid of pests, but only birds. Because birds don't like the reflection. Oh, they it's interesting. Threat. Yeah. And it's like at the bottom, they wrote that very clearly Bulls it does not work on insects. Oh, interesting. Insects don't care. Yeah. Because insects don't use their eyes. They use like scent. Right. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see the world way differently than yeah. we can imagine. My dad believes He's like, wait, look, there's no flies in the house. I'm like... <laughs> Is it that confirmation uh, maybe bias? Just, maybe it's not warm enough outside to have flies right now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, is it the thing in the Simpsons where it's like this rock keeps tigers away? Well, how does it work? Well, do you see any tigers around? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that your material in this third album covers this relationship with your dad. Yeah, I'm very close with my dad, and I've always been very close with my parents. We we had a very good relationship, but my mom passed away almost 10 years ago. So as a result, me and my dad became mm-hmm. very close, and I started to, I guess, through my mid-20s and into my 30s, develop a greater empathy and understanding for him as a catalyst from what, what had happened. What was the catalyst for you to really explore this relationship and his influence on your life? Like a single event? Uh, maybe I don't not think a single I have, event, but what, s- what, what made you think about it, I guess?
0: Well, I think a big part is, you know, I got married and then, you know, I'm, we're thinking about starting your own family. Mm-hmm. And then you start to realize, because, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of judge your parents a lot. You're like, your, oh, your parents do stuff. You're like, why would you do that? Like, that's so <laughs> embarrassing. Like, like, who, who does that? In yeah. the worse, they say things, you're like, don't say that. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, stop. Just stop. Yeah. Um, and then now, you know, now I'm an adult with a spouse and I'm doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I used to judge my parents for this. Right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's why they did it. Right? And because now, now it's kind of like going from... Like if you look at performance-wise, going from audience to the backstage, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, that's why they did that. That's yeah. why that was set up this way." Yeah. And then you you get a you get a, like a whole different perspective on what you know what this is about. Like for me, is what life is about, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, "Oh, this this is why all these parallels are coming through." And that that I think that's the catalyst. Um, yeah. And that comes with time. And experience and age, right? Like, if you want me to do this when I'm 25, I don't think I'm gonna have that perspective. Sure, it's just it's not gonna happen, right? And it's not like I'm just stupid, it's just because that's just not who I was, yeah, as a person. And I, I think that's that's really and it, it comes with a sense of appreciation, too, mm-hmm. right? And then fear, yeah. that's the biggest thing is like, am I gonna become this dude who just <laughs> cannot accept new ideas, doesn't matter how it's framed, and you're just gonna believe all this weird stuff, yeah, right like how rigid am i gonna be yeah because you always believe like oh when i'm 55 i'm gonna be cool right i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to take new information but now i'm like 35 i'm like i'm already you know like i heard what's that guy's name juicy world the other
1: day okay i'm like what is this <laughs> i was literally how just, is that a name for a rapper <laughs> i was literally just gonna say like you think that you're gonna stay cool and you're always gonna be hip and then you get to your mid-30s, as I am, and I talk to, like, my 20-year-old cousin about music, and I'm like, what is this garbage I know. that you're listening to? And then you look at, you know, the charts or whatever, and, like... 80% of it I can't recognize like I don't know what the fuck it is exactly. I have no idea like
0: <laughs> Juicy World like how like when somebody brought it out I was like "Oh, well, is that a gum yeah like no it's a rapper you sold out you know Pacific Coliseum yeah I'm like what the world with a name Juicy World
1: yeah like if there was if there was an MC named Juicy World when we were growing up that guy would get ripped on yeah just by the name you wouldn't even listen to exactly music.
0: it's just so it's just so strange you know and like I want to believe I'm different Mm -hmm. like like, I want to like this this is something I've I've been thinking about recently is you know we think we're the new improved version of our parents right like we're like the iPhone 10 compared to the iPhone 8 right whatever it is but I'm starting to think I don't think that's the case I think we're just a newer version we're not improved yeah we're just a newer version that's you know that has functionality that fits the current climate do you think we're a shittier version I don't think we're shittier. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that. Yeah. Um, because if we're shittier, you know, the the previous model will let us know. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's still still some quality control.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I think that this kind of now I've been thinking about like you know because my 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 brother's dating and my cousins mm-hmm. are dating now they're younger than me right, and then you know they talk about meeting the parents and all that stuff mm-hmm. and I, I used to do that and I'm like I was looking at him like. Is that why we meet our parents, right? Because that's like the biggest thing. Why we go meet our parents? That's like one of the biggest things: meeting parents. Right? But you think about why is that such a big thing? Who cares? Like you're not <laughs> fucking them, <laughs> right? Who cares? <laughs> but then you're like, I would hope not, to yeah. be clear. <laughs> but The reason is because what you're doing is your product testing. Because you're like, yeah, that's the previous model. <laughs> Do you want the current model, knowing that that's the last, you know, edition? Yeah.
1: Right, it's almost like going deeper into the submerged iceberg. Yeah, right. Like you're just getting more layers of like, okay, this is how you grew up. This is the relationship between your folks. Yeah, I I definitely think that we become our parents, and I and the, more, the older I get, I I also find that. And it's interesting you mentioned rigidity because that's the biggest thing with my dad is like, he's very set in his ways. Yeah. And I always thought, uh, I'm like easygoing. But then when I hear it from my friends, it's like, no, no, no. You are very set in your ways. Yeah. And it's one of those things where we model ourselves after our parents. So your first lesson in parenthood was literally being the child to your parents. Yeah. So of course you're going to model that. Yeah. Cause that's all you know. Yeah. Right. I also do find it interesting that I think most people, their relationship with their parents comes under a certain lens. It was Chuck Palahniuk that talked about this. And he he would say that, you know, when you're zero to six, you see your parents as heroes. So Mm. your dad's the strongest, your mom's the prettiest, and your parents are infallible. They're perfect. Your brother's the most annoyingest. Yeah, (laughs) sure, sure. Everything (laughs) is in extremes, right? And then... Once you get to, when once you become a teenager, you then start to see the reverse and your parents are the devil, in yeah, a sense. They're the it, worst. They're the worst, they're doing everything wrong yeah. and they suck and like, they don't get it. And then eventually you become an adult and you realize like, oh, they're they're just people. They're neither perfect or completely flawed. Yeah. They were literally just doing the best that they could. And I imagine I'm not a parent, but I imagine as a parent, you also go, this job is way harder <laughs> than I would have thought when I was younger, Yeah, right?
0: I'm sure. I'm sure when I have a kid, I'm going to have a whole different revelation
1: yeah. of how
0: things are, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm a much different appreciation for... Like I, I think about being an immigrant child, and it's like, how did my parents... My dad was 30, my mom was 25... How do they move to a completely different country exactly with a four year old in tow mm-hmm. and we're just like, like no job prospects or anything? Just like, we'll figure it out, <laughs> I know. Like, we'll get here. Just the amount
0: of courage that takes, <laughs> yeah. Because right? even now, I'm thinking about okay, if without I'm, the internet, yeah, as if, well. If I let's say I moved to New York City, I moved to LA, just that in the south is a huge transition yeah and it's the same language it's the same people it's within you know three hour
1: flight yeah right nothing changes and other you have than the internet to plan where exactly. you're gonna stay where you're gonna look for work whatever yeah but before that to
0: jump I ocean <laughs> to a whole different world yeah just the amount of courage because I'm 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 almost at the age when my dad immigrated right yeah I'm like I wouldn't have done it no I'd be like forget it I've passed that age yeah like and forget I, it yeah Good luck. <laughs> right? you, li- you live here and uh, the war might come, but I'm going to be dead and you deal with the bullets, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's why I feel like we're a shittier version of our parents. Because <laughs> I just don't have the stomach to do that.
0: I don't have the stomach to make a move like that. But there's no reason for us to move.
1: Yeah, because we're right? soft as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: you don't know though, because if you're in that context, you might do it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. You don't know what you're gonna be when you get punched in the mouth. You might become a whole different person. Yeah, right. And I realize it's usually the people who talk the most shit and they get, <laughs> and they like and they they actually think they are like the, one, the first one to bolt. Right. Right. They're one to bail. Like,
1: yeah, no. Yeah. Do you think you're gonna stay in Vancouver? Um,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean my parents are here so mm-hmm. um it's nice here to be honest. Sure. Right? It's a beautiful place you got it's every, one of the best everything places you to need to live. In, as long as you find yeah. <laughs> as long
1: as you have a stable home somehow. <laughs> it's just
0: expensive, it's right? Super but expensive. it's expensive anywhere that's nice. That's Let's true. be honest. Yeah. So for the time being, I think so. But I'm you do stay. like to
1: record specials in different places.
0: Yeah, and I do it for a purposeful reason. What? Um, what is that reason? So the first one I did in Taipei. That's mm-hmm. where I was born. Yeah. That's my birth. So I you know, I'm going to go back and do it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second was Seattle. And I did that because when I went on the road, that was really the f- first city that kind of embraced me as somebody from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I got my chops on the road when I started. Oh, is that right? Um, okay. Because, you know, and that's, you know, a whole different country, whole different scene. Um you know cuz it could be hostile right you, mm-hmm. if you if you don't know the place the, you know the audience and the the professionals could could be hostile and yeah. then the third one I did it here because you know that's this is the second home right okay there's the original home this is the second home yeah so where am we going to record next one
1: i don't know <laughs> it has to be a new country though you got to keep this trend up i have no idea yeah yeah you got to start brainstorming We'll see. It'll take me. It comes naturally. <laughs> How much of self-discovery is involved in your work? Because when I think about, and I don't want to get too meta with talking about my own right. podcast, but when I think about the podcast that I'm doing, it's not as, a creative, not as creative as what you're doing in terms of being a comic. Right. But I just feel like I learned so much about not just about people and issues, but about myself and how I communicate and how I come off. And I find that that actually drives me, and I enjoy doing activities, whether it's yoga or my actual professional job or this passion project, where I discover more about myself. Yeah. How much of comedy is, is that for you? Because it seems like these, the material that you take on ends up being very personal. Yeah. You're not just cracking out yeah. jokes. 150%, I will say. Yeah. And, you know,
0: I, I've been asked this question before. Is, can't you just say something funny? <laughs> Does it always have to have some meaning behind it? Yeah. And I can, but it just doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just write jokes that are funny. That's doable. Yeah. Um, that definitely takes a lot of work out of it. But it just doesn't... I lose interest very quick. Um, and my wife does this a lot. Um, like every time I come up with lose a bit, interest in you? No, no, no. Sure <laughs> you lost interest a long time ago.
1: <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're referring to the right thing. There, there is all. no
0: losing. It's not a process. <laughs> it's really lost. <laughs> she didn't come to any show. She's <laughs> like, I already know what you're gonna talk about, it's stupid. Um, it's uh, you know it's, she always like I come up with a bit. And she'll go like, what does that have to do with you? Mm. Because sometimes I'll be very detached in what I'm talking about, right? If it's about current events or things going around me. Um, And I I take a more observational tone during those, you know, when I'm working those out. And she's like, what does that have to do with you? Mm -hmm. And then I hate that question. Because then I have to go sit there like, yeah, what the hell does that have to do with me? Then I have to go through it and think about how, where am I in this story? Yeah. And it's a very painful process because sometimes you think you know where you are in the story and you find out that's not where you are in the story at all. Sometimes it's not even your story to tell. Mm-hmm. You just got to drop the whole bit because that's, that's not who – I don't have authority to talk about that. That's not who – I don't have – I'm not a participant. Yeah. Right? So for me, you know, my material, I have to be active participant in, and there's a lot of self-exploration and discovery. And sometimes you find out things about yourself. You're like, you know what? this is this sucks like I didn't know about this myself this sure. is why I came, came came to this thing Um, but I think that struggle is why it makes it funny in a way where it's translatable sure Um, and that's that's really what I want to do you know because a lot of people will come to me after shows and they'll be like hey I didn't grow up in your culture mm-hmm. you know but my parents do the same thing or well, I experience the same thing I feel the same way yeah because I, I'm trying to if it's my story, then it doesn't matter where I am. It's it's the same story, right? It, it's always gonna be the truth. Sure. And that's my truth, and that's that's why I'm. That's why that's how I do my comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I would like to be, you know, Seinfeld or it's, you know the observational people, you know, like the John Mullanies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I I just I can't do it. I just it's not who I am. Yeah, the the struggle is such a big piece of who I am that it's. I don't know if it's me or if it's a Taiwanese thing. Um, you know, Taiwanese people are—we're a tragic people. That's who we are. We we always been occupied, been sure, um, oppressed either by our own or by others and outside forces. Currently, still right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Taipei is known as the nickname for Taipei is Tragic City. That's is that right? Yeah, that's no, the nickname that. for Taipei is Tragic City. Hmm. Um, and it's just there's always a sense of tragedy that comes. With our people, and this reflects in our art and our culture and our stories, our dance, stuff like that. Like, my wife will listen to Taiwanese songs. Like, sometimes she doesn't understand the lyrics, she'll find translations and stuff. Hmm. And she's like, Why is it always so sad? And I'm like, Because we're just a sad people. (laughs) Like, that's who we are. Like, and even the joy that comes out of it, it's like kind of a bittersweet type of joy. Yeah. Like, we're happy because life is not perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of cultures that carry similar sentiments or or carry an emotional theme yeah. within their culture, right? I, I have to admit, and again, I am not one to tell anyone what to do, but the portions of your comedy albums that I enjoyed the most were the personal ones. Mm-hmm. And they might not even be the portions that I laughed at the hardest yeah. but it was just something that resonated and, and clearly for me obviously it was the the immigrant experience and talking about your interactions with your father and your family that spoke to me and yeah. I think you know you, you hear this thing and you, people say oh comedians just stick to comedy or whatever but I think now there is continuing to develop that space where comedians are being more authentic and real and personal and it, it's not to say that you can't have the John Mullaneys or Seinfelds yeah. or whoever else, but it's just a different space. And it's a, I think it's cool. Like, I really do enjoy it. I know it's kind of the, almost the hip thing now that that people are doing that on stage, right? To be the personal yeah, comic. I think we're seeing more of that.
0: Yeah. I, I think definitely. Especially. Especially Minhaj. Like, yeah, his whole special yeah, was literally. Homecoming King. That was great. Yeah. 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 It was yeah, an amazing I mean, that, special. That was absolutely incredible. Um, I think so. I think there's a move... I think because... I think people want to hear stories. Yeah. Right? They don't want to hear opinions. They want to hear stories. Right. Because in self, stories carry more answers than questions, mm-hmm. right? Opinions oftentimes just create more questions.
1: Sure. Yeah. And there is something to be said about being authentic, and especially if we go back to being that immigrant kid new Mm -hmm. in Canada, you know, we get bombarded with this message about being ourselves. But then childhood is largely about conformity in terms of conforming to a set of rules or values within your social circle or within the new culture or whatever. And like all kids, for sure, not just immigrant kids, but speaking to the immigrant experience, we all do try to discover this authentic voice of ours in our own ways. Yeah. It's,
0: you know, it's it's tough because you, you,
1: you want to be yourself. Um, mm-hmm.
0: And at the same time, being yourself comes
1: with the risk, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. The vulnerability of putting yourself out there and being yeah. judged on that, having that shadow. And then on. That's, that's the weird thing, again, is you try to be
0: somebody else and people people still see you as... What they see you,
1: yeah, right, yeah. And you're
0: like, don't well, I just be myself in the beginning because <laughs> they're gonna see me this way anyways. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know I I feel for any anybody. It doesn't matter what color, gender, size, age. If you're different than those around you, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult process.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think as an immigrant kid. I mean, my my parents immigrated here when I was four. But even at that time, you constantly are reminded that you are different. There's always some dummy that's going to remind you that you're different yeah. or whatever. And you know, you
0: know what's the irony is that we are different. Everyone is different. Yeah, even among you know the majority, there's still differences between every
1: individual. Mm-hmm. It's just that, but that difference is highlighted in a negative way. I know. Right? That's That's that's, that's the part. Up. Yeah. And. Having grown up through it, and again, I had a great childhood. I'm not complaining about my childhood whatsoever, but I'm just saying having grown up that way, I do feel a greater sensitivity. A sensitivity. You're totally complaining. I'm I'm <laughs> bitching. I'm just kidding. I had the worst childhood. <laughs> I had loving parents, food on the table every, every night. No, I, I was going to say, like, I just feel like I have a greater sensitivity towards people who are othered. Yeah. Right? Because I've been there, and I might not be there in the the ableist sense or the LGBTQ sense or a different sense, but yeah. I've certainly been there in in a similar sense. So I think
0: that's that's where, you know, sometimes I I, I doubt if what I'm doing makes any type of significance. But does it right? need to? Like why? It's <laughs> a, a lofty goal. Like why? You know, not that significance is why I'm changing the world, but yeah. like why am I doing this, right? right. Like, why am I telling my story? I can just tell something else. Right. Mm-hmm. I can create a fantasy story and just tell that and just be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I, just, I started to realize that I think these stories need to be told. Yeah. Because for people who already know the story, it reinforces the idea that, yeah, it's okay for me to live my story out like this. Mm-hmm. And for people who have a different story is for them to understand that hey we're not so different that this is your life story my life story there's some similarities some differences mm-hmm. and you're not you're you're a human being yeah right yeah that you're not just this other thing that I don't know about that you're a human being with your um you know interactions and your experiences mhm and so then next time they meet somebody perhaps that's different They're going to have a different perspective about them. And that's, you know, that's, that's why I started to realize. Yeah. yeah,
1: That's what it comes down to. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It creates, it creates, I think, a stronger connection between people in general. Mm. Yeah. Because then people start asking questions that are different, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, sometimes I get people ask me questions like, Hey, um, like what's in bubble tea? (laughs) I mean, because you, you, bubble tea is a Taiwanese thing, right? And then you, yeah. you, you have a conversation about them, and you're like, "Well, that's cool," blah, 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 right? Yeah. Because that's what, what is in bubble tea. I but, actually don't know. That, that's that why I'm is, laughing. that is a different. Cause... I have no idea what bubble tea. Answer <laughs> that question. In a <laughs> that's a very different question than uh, you know, why the hell are you drinking bubble tea, right? That's a very different question, right? It's yeah. like they want to understand what is it that you're drinking rather than why you're drinking it. Yeah. What's in bubble tea? It's it's. The original flavor is just milk tea with tapioca in it. Okay. Yeah, like tapioca balls. Like you boil it. And it becomes, yeah. yeah. It becomes chewy, so it kind of gives like that texture. It's like eating and drinking at the same time. Right. Yeah. And then they have different. You can. Is do it fruit a d- dessert
1: type drink? Because that's what it strikes me as.
0: Uh, it's not like a dessert. Not like a traditional dessert per se. You sit down and eat. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a. It's kind of like a beverage. Like a dessert on the go. That's okay. the best way to put it. It's like a weird hybrid. I think it's popular because it's not a dessert, but it's not a drink either. It's mm. like an in-between. Okay. Right? Because there's desserts, like Taiwanese desserts, like shaved ice. You know, they, they ground up the ice and they put like toppings, fruits and stuff on Like that's oh, okay, a dessert yeah. you sit down and you eat it, right? Yeah. Um, where bubble tea is kind of like, it's a beverage
1: that you can also eat at the same time. How come I've seen like slushies in bubble tea or bubble tea places maybe serving slushies? Yeah. What's so that's the-
0: that's a new I mean they they took the original concept and they started putting different things together, right? They'll okay. do Slurpees
1: with bubbles. That's and pearls not pearls a in traditional it. Taiwanese.
0: Um not traditional. I mean it's not it, the concept in itself is not traditional. Oh, is that right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Like bubble tea came on the market probably like what, 15, 10 years ago? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So
0: it's not a traditional item per se yeah but
1: it is a Taiwanese yeah. thing that came up yeah. okay that's cool I have to t- ask you a couple of questions about your parents sure I'm just gonna check my parking while sure you're doing that. <laughs> your parents have the most gangster names of all time <laughs> <laughs> can you tell me their names and tell the audience their names if they my haven't mom's heard of name,
0: them my mom's name's Candy yeah and my dad's name is Smiley exactly how you spell it, like a smiley (laughs) face.
1: And candy with the C and then with with the Y? exactly how you spell candy. Yeah. Um, And you know what's the most- um, Do people think it's short for like Candace?
0: Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Because they make it very clear it's not. Okay. So you know what's the most traumatic thing about all this? They used- My my parents paranoid people are going to steal their stuff all the time. They just have the sense that people are here to steal. I don't know why. Okay. Nobody's ever stolen anything from them. They just think people are gonna <laughs> steal their stuff. So when they have luggages, they think people are gonna steal the luggages. No yeah. one's gonna take your underwear, Dad. So <laughs> they, they would they would draw candy candy canes and smiley faces all over the suitcase and write candy and smiley all over
1: it. And they would draw candy canes and smiley faces yeah. to with, reemphasize with, the with point. With like
0: paint markers so it's like permanent, and they use like super fluorescent colors, like. Silver oh. with, like, copper pink. Um, and then uh, I have to go get it at the airport. <laughs> and they're like, is that guy candy or smiling Or what's wrong with him? Right? And you're like, this is not my suitcase. Yeah. And then a lot of people didn't believe me. Like, yeah, that didn't happen. And then recently I went on a trip in Asia, and then my suitcase was just too small. I just, I don't want to bring, because my brother wanted to bring stuff back. Mm-hmm. Um and then so I, I borrowed a suitcase from my parents and on it, it was like candy and smiley. Everywhere. I took a picture of it like, and everyone thought I was lying. Like, yeah. Look at this suitcase. Does this is look like a lie to you. <laughs> so it's real. They still do it. Yeah. It's candy and smiley all over the suitcase, right? All over. I'm like, oh, people are going to steal it. Like who would steal that now? <laughs> In itself, you destroy the value <laughs> of whatever this <it> <laughs> is, right? Do you
1: find yourself doing that? No, I don't.
0: I just put a sticker on my suitcase so I can identify it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Not with any other items, your underwear, your, uh, you know, put your name in there.
0: No, I don't have a paranoia people are going to steal my stuff.
1: I don't know. I mean, again, you could have learned that behavior, you could have been suspicious of everyone. See, that, that, is, that is something
0: that's different. I don't think people <laughs> are going to steal from me, um, but I do have a fear that people are going to break into my place for some reason. I don't know why. You got a nice TV? Just a regular TV, right? <laughs> it's not it's super fancy. Well, people got to break in my car. Oh, right, that, yeah. That's the fear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know how much that's learned and how much is that... Probably both. Probably genetic and learned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I feel like either could happen, but probably not the nightmare scenario you The probability is so low, right? It's
0: still pretty low. Knock on wood. Unless you have
1: stacks of cash on your front seat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to this this privilege that people of color have, because there was one thing I forgot to talk about. Sure. I feel like we, as people of color, have a couple of privileges, mm-hmm. and one of them is that we can talk about race without worrying about it too much. You know, I've
0: been doing some thinking about that. I yeah. don't think is that we can talk about it without worrying about it, is we know how to talk about it. Oh, okay. That's a good right? way to look at it. Because... Our perspective—we don't come from a perspective that's, you know, judgmental or, mm-hmm. um, like we're not here to inflict pain, right? Because we know what's it like on the other side,
1: right, right, right. Right. So, so we're I a little think, more sensitive. I think you
0: know, can white people talk about race? I think yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. And it's going to take a little work because then they have to, because the process and they have to know what's it like to be on the other side mm-hmm. so that they can talk about it in a way where it doesn't, you know, become this whole, you know, like you're a bigot. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, I think that's the concept. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's that because we can, it's because we know how. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. I
1: find that the people, I've got to, paint a broad stroke here, I feel like the white people that should be talking about race and do it in a great way, they're the ones that are a lot more concerned and sensitive and tiptoe around things. And mm. it's the people that shouldn't be talking about race. who are just bulldozing their way through that conversation.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that's just laziness. Yeah. Right? It's
1: yeah. lazy. But I was thinking about this in the realm of comedy where, like, Russell Peters built his career in terms of highlighting differences between cultures. Right. And I'm not saying he's problematic or anything, but he does do a lot of impressions, and mm-hmm. he, he draws on a lot of tropes as well. Right. I couldn't imagine a white guy in 2019 doing that original Russell Peters special, this, you know, the somebody-gonna-get-a-hurt. That just could not happen today. I don't even think Russell's Peters' stick today. Yeah, could ha- could a uh, white guy so. can pull that off? Yeah,
0: I mean, if w- I would like to see a white guy pull it off. <laughs> just
1: be, just go into that'd be accents. incredible.
0: Can you imagine the amount of finance, not finance finesse they'll take to be able to comment on all these different cultures? And you being white? Yeah, that'd be incredible. If some white comic can do it, he or she'd be the most. I don't think you can,
1: because when you look at Russell Peters, he does a lot of accents. And I feel like even that is somewhat problematic sometimes. I think it's doable, though. You think it is? I can see, like, a Russian guy.
0: (laughs) It's coming out and just, like, you know, critiquing, you know, the Nigerians.
1: (laughs) Well, that was the other thing. And Russell Peters, and again, I like... I. I loved that first special. I think yeah. his shtick kind of ended up being a little stale, but he's still very entertaining. But I feel like he was also commenting on cultures. Yeah. And he was talking about, you know, which cultures would beat their kids and which, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, think, I
0: think, you know, it's again, if you can make it, if you can put yourself in the story, then you can really talk about whatever you want. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. if you're in the story, that's your story. But I think a lot of, you know, a lot of comics is, you know, I want to talk about it. I don't know anything about it. I've never been an active participant, but I want to comment on it. And yeah, if that's the case, the then, then you whatever. better do it in a way that's that you thought about it <laughs> because you're going to get in trouble.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, and I think it, it shows when you talk about something that you become passionate about as opposed to just talking about something. Yeah. Because it's the hot topic or whatever. Exactly. Do you think guys like Russell Peters opened up doors for people of color in comedy?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think a lot of different, not just Russell himself. I think a lot of different comics definitely.
1: Who would you attribute? I don't think I attribute to one person. No, maybe right? not one, but you can name a couple if you want. I, I imagine Margaret Cho was. Yeah, Margaret Cho. You know, Henry Cho.
0: Yeah. Um, you know. Richard Pryor, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, I think any everybody who's willing to talk about who they are and is a pioneer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, <clears throat> Netflix has opened up the doors for people of color. When you think about Hassan Minhaj... Mm-hmm. Who, again, he was on The Daily Show, fair enough. But certainly Ali Wong, Yeah, who, again, had been doing this for a long time, but that Baby Cobra special comes out, and she's right. the biggest comic in the world at that time. They became huge because of Netflix, yeah. right? And it's not to take anything away from them. They killed it on Netflix. And Netflix has a lot of material, right. but they were able to use that platform and, and become superstars. And again, it's a very unique story to them, but I... It's cool. And even with Russell Peters, like YouTube, he was the first YouTube guy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting how these platforms, once they're opened up, just create so much more opportunity. Yeah. Because
0: I think people want it. People want the stories, right? They want to. And I think the easier easier to get it, then it's the better it is. Yeah. And I think, you know, you see these phenomena and all these platforms is when they start, people. Glom onto it. They they get the what they want to see, and it gets oversaturated. and it mm-hmm. becomes difficult to because now Netflix trying to find something specific. Yeah, it's so tough because there's so much stuff. Yeah, same with YouTube. Like YouTube, like good luck trying to find a specific thing. Right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think you know these platforms definitely open up things, but once the platform gets oversaturated, then you be get lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. again, right?
1: It's almost like the the strategy or the model for success changes like the way you know dane cook became he was also one of those internet myspace right yeah he was one of
0: the first guys you can't run that game now (laughs) oh you can if your goal
1: is to be obscure (laughs) or you know the russell peters the russell peters wasn't even youtube it was like I remember I downloaded off Shazam or, what you know were those apps, like Napster? Oh, Napster, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I downloaded that video off one of those apps because yeah. someone was like, oh, you got to watch this and then saw it. And certainly you have, you know, YouTube comics. So I just feel like that model, someone figures it out, everyone rushes to do the exact same thing to emulate it, only yeah. if you get through and then it's oversaturated, you have to wait till the next avenue. Mm-hmm. Which sounds like it's very the tough. The destination has all changed. You know? Yeah. And, you, I was, and I was just going to say, it sounds like it's very tough for a comic because it used to be you get a spot on a late night show, you get yeah. a comedy special, you get and seen. now you're a superstar. Yeah. And that just, uh, that's not there anymore.
0: Well, now, now you, get, you can get seen anywhere, right? Yeah. And now it's really, and I think with the proliferation of technology is you got to go straight to the people, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got you to go to the people who want to see you. Yeah. You can't, there's no more mass appeal, right? That's tough because everyone just watched where they want to watch. Yeah. And so you kind of have to, it's more targeted now. So this, it's a weird time. It is a weird you know? time. Because we grew up, and this is this is the part of being, I think our generation, because how old are you, Mo? 34. Yeah. So we're the same generation because yeah. we're the prototype of the millennials, right? Yeah. Is everything we learn? Guinea pigs everything we ways. learn is relevant. All the skills we have yeah. is relevant now. Yeah. You know, like remember Encarta? <laughs> yeah. Like, of who, course. Like that's why do we need to know how to use Encarta? Like that doesn't even exist
1: anymore. <laughs> hey, that was the prelude to Wikipedia. Yeah. All right. Because Wikipedia is basically Encarta, just way bigger. <laughs> remember
0: learning how to rewind a cassette tape when the the thing comes out, the the whatever the magnetic strips on, it, you use a pencil and you roll it back. Right. In, right. Yeah. 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 Like, why do we know this shit?
1: <laughs> but yeah. like, it doesn't, There's like, of... everything
0: we know is relevant now. And that, that's, that's the tough part, because you still have this belief that, oh, if I just have a mass appeal, I'll, I'll do well. And that belief is totally outdated, mm-hmm. right? And I think you, you see a transition. That's, that's why I think the next generation, like my, my cousin's generation, like mm-hmm. the, the early 20s, and they're doing so much better, because they know everything they, they grew up with is relevant.
1: Yeah. Right. I so I make that differentiation on. Do you remember the first time you used a computer? Because I do. Yeah. But I feel like if you're of the generation where you ask that question, they go, "No, I don't remember the first time I used a computer." Yeah, because I always use a computer. Yeah. Yeah. Then re- that's the difference. Right? I remember the
0: first time we got a computer is um you know it was one of those big ass you know with a big tower and yeah. the, the huge screen right. <laughs> And then uh, the first game we got on there is one of those click-and-shoot games, like a Western game. You okay. Had put the, you had to put the CD-ROM in. The CD-ROM is a load, right? Yeah. And every stage is a load for like a good 15 minutes. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then it froze. As was my final stage. And I got so mad, I just punched the computer. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you and break then, it? Yeah. The whole computer's shot. Oh, shit. <laughs> Because back then, those computers, you can't punch, right? Yeah. They're so fragile. You shouldn't be punching computers yeah. today. And I still remember. Like, just like- What did your dad say? My dad's like, why would you punch it? And I'm like, because it's stupid. And he's like, you're stupid. <laughs> now I have to get a new computer. I like, it completely destroyed the computer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, he just destroyed the monitor. No, I punched the tower. Oh, you punched the tower? Yeah. <laughs> I went like stupid and I punched it and the oh, whole thing's like, mm. no. <laughs> it's oh, blue screen. No. Yeah. Wow. Wow. i probably destroy whatever, I don't know, whatever's in the icy IC board or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you learned the hard way that you shouldn't be punching computers. <laughs> just... Kids right now, they're socialized knowing that you're not supposed I to don't... punch a computer. <laughs> We got to wrap it up here, but I got I got one more question okay. for you. What do you think gets ridiculed more and worse? The Indian accent or the Chinese accent?
0: More? Are we going to evaluate the yeah. levels of suffering?
1: Yes. <laughs> I want to find out who's more of a victim here, me or you. We got to figure you it know, out. You know
0: what's interesting is the Indian accent, people would do it. Only when there's no Indian people around. Okay. Like, they'll actually be like, oh, maybe, no. But Chinese accent are do it in front of Chinese guy, yeah, no problem. No, I've I've <laughs> had
1: the Indian accent done in front of me. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have an accent. But I'll do be Do they ta- know you're Indian, though? How? I, I'm pretty sure they would. They would Why be, would they, they, they do that? They do th- think you're Middle Eastern. No, they, no, they would be doing- I, I'm trying to d- hark back to some childhood memories and also some things that happened as an adult- no, I would have people use the oh, accent. You, you, you're talking about in general. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about now. Okay, no, fair enough. I mean, in general. Okay, I'm... right now, today, 2019. What gets ridiculed? The, which accent gets ridiculed the most, and worse?
0: 2019.
1: Yeah, no, we're too 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 present now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question.
1: Because both of those accents historically have been ridiculed a lot, and there's a I lot in the media, there's a lot in our culture that has ridiculed those two culture or those two accents. Yeah, it's
0: tough to say. I don't know, but equal, I would say. Yeah, but systematically, there's. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because you guys have a poo, and that's like the that's the big one. That's like the biggest you know, uppercut <laughs> you can yeah, get. Yeah. yeah. And it's done by a white guy. It's just like, yo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um but yeah. I mean this this is, you know, among the Asian community, like we we understand. Like people people make fun of us in front of our face.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's Do you find that's I mean that still happens. That's I know. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. I don't, I don't have much else to to add to that. But I would agree that especially in Vancouver over serious concerns about, you know, money laundering and housing and whatever, there unfortunately has become this societal trend towards ripping on Asians. Yeah. Or- I mean, That chinky, chinky China lady. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: But it sucks. <laughs> you it know su- what's the worst part of that whole thing? Sure. What is, is it? Is her name is what? Carla Waldman? Right? Yeah. Is that every Asian knows her. It, my parents know her. Like, who she is. And I've been doing this for like- Her a, as a symbol or her, her specifically? Her as a person. Really? I've been doing this for a decade, and my parents never been to her show. I'm like, how do you know, Carlo? Do I need to go on there and racially abuse somebody to get that level of fame? Like, what is
1: going on? Oh, you mean they know yeah. her now? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Like, she has the biggest Asian fan base.
1: <laughs> is it a fan base when they hate you? <laughs> yeah, that, that that blew up really quick. And she's- I, I don't know. I read something that she's not well. That doesn't obviously justify what she did, but it was crazy how her name was just- yeah. I'm, I mean, women. you know, the whole hate on the
0: Asian thing, I think people just hate whoever's got wealth, right? There
1: used to be the, you know, the Russians, the Italians, right? I don't even think it's necessarily wealth. I think it's people hate who they think they can blame for shortcomings in that their true. own and then life. And we tend to blame rich people. Sure, right, but but not every Asian is rich. Exactly, like me. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have you have the advertising, but you don't have the the product. That's the worst. And it's it's interesting. So my my dad, who is not anti Asian or anything like that, but he's you know very concerned about things like money laundering or whatever. And I I remember telling him like, oh, you know, maybe the rhetoric. Think about what you're saying in public, because doesn't, someone might hear that and think that you're being anti-Chinese when you're not actually anti-Chinese. Yeah. And he actually came to that realization and said, yeah, it's like when people look at us and our names are Muhammad and they think that we're some fundamentalist whatever. And it sucks for, and he was saying this on his own, and he was like, oh, it sucks for a Chinese family that moves into a nice house and people are going to say, oh, you laundered money to get there. Right? And in most cases no (laughs) they did not (laughs) but and again it doesn't mean we have we shouldn't go after money laundering and that stuff but it's i think right now asians and far people from the far east have it a lot harder in vancouver for that reason just for what's going on in the world yeah because it's an easy target yeah right yeah yeah so you're more of a victim is what i'm saying Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, but I am... Yeah. It's it's stuff that I think we all need to be thinking about and being made aware about in our city.
0: You know what's crazy is individually, we would never do that to somebody. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think... I mean, this may be my naive perception of the world. Like, if you actually have interaction with somebody mm-hmm. on the street, you wouldn't... Other than... Carla Waldman. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you would you would actually be decent. Right? Most people, it, it's yeah. when you're when you're behind again is that, you know, that ability to diffuse responsibility again that you can mm-hmm. pinpoint a group, then you become more you know, cuz you kind of dehumanizes them.
1: Yeah. Right? I talked about this on CKW with Linda Steele and I made the argument that these overtly racist incidents that we see and that are captured on, for, you know, for YouTube and they go viral and all that stuff, the person that's doing the, or making the racial epithets and being racist is someone who's not doing well, yeah, like should, there's some yeah, should, mental health yeah, issue yeah. or something, Yeah, or, because I think it takes someone who is not well to be able to do that. Even if you do have hatred or racism in your heart. To just randomly go up to a stranger and harass them. I know. It's like that takes a level of It tells, tells more unwellness. about the, the
0: person than the group they're trying to abuse. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. It's like but... Yelp reviews, right? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> your, your review tells me more about you than the restaurant. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Because normal human beings just go eat, and if they don't like it, they just don't go back. Yeah, they don't or, go write an essay about how, you know. That's the yeah, they don't take a undercooked st- lamb was
1: they don't take a stand
0: on the street destitution to <laughs> to civilized society. Like what is going? Seriously? <laughs> how do you have the time? <laughs> You've never written a shitty uh, Yelp review? I don't even try to log in. Yelp makes you log in to their app in order to read all the reviews now on their phone. That's true. Yeah. I don't even log in anymore.
1: Yeah. I am like this is just so much work. I go to Yelp just to see the first few photos of the food.
0: That's why I use it for too.
1: Yeah. Just look at photos. I don't read the reviews. Yeah, I go look reviews for photos. Reviews are stars. garbage. Yeah. yeah. I had I remember reading a review about a Japanese restaurant. Oh, this was a long time ago, and it was a sushi place, and it was in my neighborhood, and I just quickly went through it, and they gave them They lost marks because they didn't play Japanese music. <laughs> Incredible.
0: Like they know what Japanese music is. Yeah. They're just like, well,
1: they were they were playing the radio and no, they should be playing Japanese music for ambiance, and it's like, should they? Maybe that's not their jam. Opposite has been to
0: me is I've gone through restaurants that are well rated and then they're horrible.
1: Oh. Yeah, I'm just like, what is like am I part of a scam? Like Do you think it's it's like the 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 is in? Like they, they had a bunch of bots.
0: I don't know. Have you seen that? Um there was some British guy that made his restaurant number one in London, and he didn't even have a restaurant. What? It was like a sh- like his back backyard shack. Really? Yeah. And then he's never served a whole a table. He's never like there's no there's not a restaurant. And he took photos of his food, and then he literally like put an egg against his um, ankle and take a picture of it. So it looks like it's, his ankle looks like ham because it's the same color. Wow. Yeah. And he became the number
1: one rated restaurant. How, though? Like He used bots, or people just started doing fake reviews? I think he
0: just reviewed himself to a certain point, the algorithm bumped him up, and then he finally had to, because he's getting so many calls, that he actually had to open the restaurant once. It's, it's on. I think it's on Vice, I think. I got to look that up. Yeah. And, because
1: wouldn't people- And he also
0: got into um, like a Paris fashion show, like one of those huge fashion what? shows, by creating his own brand.
1: But wouldn't people see this on Yelp and go, oh, cool restaurant, and then try to go to that restaurant, and then they'd find out it's a no, scam? No, he, he
0: said it's an it's a exclusive location. It's oh. by invite only.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, see, they're, that's they're how right, I pulled yeah, that off. But
0: he created a whole clothing brand, too, like some, just some, you know, really cheap- Knockoff brand. He took it and make it look like it's this Dior, and it just has the Italian name. Yeah. Um. And Shit, was, did you see
1: the stuff with Dior today? Sorry to yeah cut you off, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Speaking of racism, <laughs> I just don't know why. What are they doing? Why you would could they name anything? And been, yeah. First of all, the the imagery that they used, but then they call it Savage in French, and then they right? They call it
0: Savage. What? Like, what is going on with the marketing department? They thought it was a good idea.
1: Yeah. They could have called it bold, right? They could have called it savage, but without the indigenous Native American imagery. You know what I mean? Like, just call it like, oh, savage. Or
0: call it barbarian. It doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: I think they want the press. I think it's- You think that's it? Yeah.
0: You think it's- It's media attention. Any attention is good attention, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess. Because now we're talking about the your. Fuck, we fell for it. It's not like I'm boycotting Dior. I can afford it, anyways.
1: <laughs> I think our time's up. Yeah, this that went by fast. This went by real fast. Yeah, feel like we solved a lot of problems today. We solved no problems. <laughs> I'm going re- to re listen to it. I think we are solved. the problem. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are the problem with everything. How do people follow you? How do they listen to your album? Plug all your things, please. Uh, my
0: website has everything kingedhill.com. Uh, my album, Son of Smiley, is on Spotify. Um, Title, whatever you use. I don't know. I don't know how people listen to things these days. Um, and then uh, my podcast, com. So, you're on Twitter, too. Yeah, it's. Uh, That's how we got connected. Yeah, King Ed Hill. That's my. Um, Login name, perfect. Whatever, what's it? What's it called? Login name? No, uh, ID. Twitter yeah, handle. Uh, Twitter handle. There you go. <laughs> your ID. Your log identification. Name.
1: <laughs> That's how you log in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. One of the funniest people in Vancouver. Please do check out his new comedy album, his podcast, and his tour dates. He is the son of Smiley. He is Ed Hill, and I am Moamir telling you that in a city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.